Hello, everyone, and welcome to the OUA show. Where, where's Connor O'Neill? Where's Oh, he's being a fancy boy. He's working in and around the TSN HQ. He's working in the office tonight. He's gra- what is he doing, Wade? Is he grabbing highlights? Is he is he lying? Uh, all I know is he's he's working like six to two this weekend, so he just can't make it tonight. Uh, I don't blame him for working till two a.m. Not being able to do our show, uh, but we had a week of OUA football, and what a week it was. Um, some things got settled, some teams continued to slide, and Queen stayed on top. Yes, uh, this is an OUA After Dark edition of the OUA show because we are recording. I mean, it's not hard to be After Dark these days because the sun does go down shockingly early. 6.30, I think it was down today <laughs> as we sit here on Saturday night recording. But uh, it is about 10.30 at night, and this this was a fun day. This was an interesting day. Uh, across the OUA. The first thing that I want to get out there is just a shout out to Jim Mullen, Gord Randall, and everybody in the background of the Rouge Zone that was put on by Football Canada. Football weekend in Canada. Uh, I was invited to be part of that today. Unfortunately, the two-hour slot that we were supposed to be talking about the games got condensed to me being on for like 45 minutes and the other hour and 15 minutes just like staring at my phone waiting for things to go correctly. But once we got things off the ground, I have watched the NFL's Red Zone channel for a long time. And I was thinking, okay, yeah, that's called the Rouge Zone. That's kind of cute. But I didn't have any details on what the execution of Mm. watching all of the games was going to be. And I'm thinking, there's no way they're going to be able to pull off having, like, the audio of all the games and all of it. I'm like, you know how many things you got to plug in correctly to make that work? (laughs) I'm like, that seems really complicated. I don't think that's what this is going to be. I think it's just going to be us talking about all the games. And then when we got off the ground and we started actually doing it, I'm like, oh, my God. I'm living inside the red zone. This thing that I've been watching on television for so long, I'm living inside of it. It was so much fun. And I hope that Jim Mullen finds the funding or decides to keep doing this or whatever, because not only does it give people like us wait a great excuse to watch all of the games, it condenses it in a way where it's like, I've always watched the NFL red zone and thought to myself, this would be amazing to watch. Uh, and it makes football better because even if you have eight games going on and six of them are dog bleep, if the other two are close in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. even if it, even if it's the Bengals and the Jags, it's like two awful teams that you just don't care about. You'll still watch because it's still quality football late in the fourth quarter. And when you put the games close together and you have them, it is football overload. And no matter where you like the game of the day was probably out in the AUS. Right? Yeah. It, was, it was Bishop's Acadia that was a 15-14 finish that came down to a missed field goal as time expired from 30-some-odd yards out. And it's like, I don't have any interest in Bishop's Acadia. Neither Bishop's nor Acadia are going to accomplish anything on the national stage this year. But there were stakes attached, and it was part of the Rouge Zone, and I was fixated on it. So it was just – it was a really cool concept, and I know that you were watching too. Yeah, and you get – like, I had three screens going, but – on the one screen, I had my beloved Toronto Varsity Blues, who, you know, got to reclaim the Argo Cup. And on the other screen, I had Western for a while because I wanted to see if Windsor could contain their or continue their winning on the road. Then the third screen, I was like, well, which game do I pick? Because I can go out and watch some Can West football. I can go East and watch AUS. I can find RSEC. Or I can go Rouge Zone and I can have all of it at once. So I had you guys talking and, I mean – at that time, the the St. Mary's and Mount Allison game was also a barn burner. Uh, Concordia, Montreal was still tight. So yeah. it was cool to see the like game to game and shift to shift in the conferences. And 
like Gordon said when he had first hopped on, like it's so great that we got all these different local play-by-play calls too so that you could hear the live audio from each game. I wish we would have had all their names. That was the one thing that I wish we could have been like, you know, let's go out to, uh, to Sackville. To and Don Lewis in Kingston. And yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> like, let's get, let's give them the shout outs. But it, that's one of those things that I think you can tinker with and you can improve and the, mm-hmm. the technical aspect of things. And, you know, starting it when the games start, I think would probably help that as well. But, uh, but being able to, to have that, like my belief has always been with you sports football including the OUA because I played in the OUA and people would be like, oh, I don't know the entertainment value. It's not great. I'm like, you go to CFL games and all the players that are out there are guys that used to run around on university football fields. Most of them Canadian university football fields. I'm like, so why do people bang you sport? I've always said, if you put the product in front of people consistently, it will draw them back in. It's just the fact that obviously because we don't have TV deals week to week that you're not getting a lot of that stuff out there, man, this is the direction to go. I'm mm-hmm. telling you, after doing this today, if you can get a live stream popular enough for everybody to watch it and to have all of the games kind of synced up scheduling-wise and all of the conferences on the same page where it's like, like, I get it. You, out in the AUS, you've got whatever they're doing for their streaming. And Can West is like a paid subscription. And the OUA yeah. is free on OUA.tv. And it's everybody's all over the place. If, if you can find a way to get these things together and get the scheduling so the games overlap, but it's like a six-hour window holy that like the the popularity of that because i i would never have watched those aus games today if it were not for the rouge zone but i did and it was interesting i was i I was happy i got to yeah like i don't watch aus football very much if ever because in my mind i'm like well they're not going to matter at the end of the season because the aus never gets through the national semifinals and whatever but like that was fun today to watch so uh, I just I want to make sure that people know how great that was. Give Jim on a shout out. Give Football Canada a shout out. And uh, let's dive into some OUA action here because on the Rouge Zone, the OUA was playing King. Although when we were off the air, Laurier went pick six, uh, fumble return for a <laughs> touchdown, fourteen nothing against Mac. And I'm sitting here right in this seat, going. Oh, wow, look, they're going to the end zone again. Like, I'm watching on the feed that's not getting pushed out publicly <laughs> yet. And I was just amazed how much Laurier jumped out. What did you see from the Mac Laurier game that caught your attention? Turnovers. Con and I talked in our preview again about Duak and limiting the turnovers because we saw the three interceptions against Windsor last week. And for a home team rebounding off a loss coached by Steph Potasic, you did not expect them to have the turnovers they did. I mean, the Laurier defense today had four turnovers, uh, defense and special teams, because we are counting that scoop and score in that. Um, but they also got to the quarterbacks nine times. I mean, that that was very uncharacteristic of McMaster, especially coming off a loss. Yeah, Dweck ends up 10 of 18, right, for 47 yards and two interceptions, as you're saying. And, like, 10 of 18 is not – and I, I understand I've got a little bit of natural bias on this, but it's also just the fact that I know – McMaster's offensive system very well only having 18 attempts that screams to me not that they were like well let's pound the rock and you know get after it on the offensive line that screams we didn't have the ball like they didn't have the ball nearly enough throughout the day and to see McMaster lose in that way at home coming off of a very difficult loss on the road in Windsor their spirit, I think, is a little bit broken right now. And to go from being in a national semifinal against the Calgary Dinos in 2019 pandemic year 
and then to have this happening this year where they're now one and three and they're in the very difficult UA West. You're not looking like you're going to get that rematch against the Western Mustangs that everybody anticipated at the start of the year. Uh, and I actually ended up in the McMaster post-game Zoom conference call. Uh, it's kind of awkward. I got an email from Jay Bartlett, who does a great job at McMaster because I'm on some media email list for you know press conferences. Yep. Uh, and I got the note and I just was like, yeah, why not? I'm, I'm sure lots of people will be asking questions. Why don't I just drop in? <laughs> so I click on the link. I'm the only person who shows up in the room. And so Patatsik answers a couple of questions for like the internal McMaster dots or, you know, marauders.ca. And then I'm there with my camera off and Jay Bartlett goes, uh, Marsh, do you have any questions? I turn on my camera. I'm like, not really. Hey, P. I just wanted to say what's up, and uh, I'm wishing the best for you. And he's just, he's like, good to see you, Marsh. <laughs> Go and, Mac. Yeah, I'm like, on one of the worst days in recent memory for McMaster football, I was like, I am such a dick for diving into that Zoom conference. I was like, I just wanted to say hi, and I wanted to see what he had to say. And uh, so I, it's confusing. It really is, because they've got a lot of talent. They've recruited well, and Laurier is not a world-beating team. They were one and two coming in as well. Um, so to see McMaster, as you say, give up nine sacks and four turnovers, they had bad penalties at the end of the Windsor game too, Wade. Like they end up taking the unsportsmanlike penalty and then an mm. offside in overtime, and that ends up moving the ball forward. And then bingo, bangle, bongo, Windsor's in the end zone, game's over, right? So uh, and, I don't know. I don't know how they rebound from this. It's it's a tough spot. And talking about the high recruiting class for Mac, we saw, I guess, freshman quarterback now Keegan Hall get in the game, go six of ten for seventy-seven yards. So we actually completed better than uh, <laughs> fared better than Duek. And I know Duek had the great season in 2019, but after what we've seen so far where he's only really had the one game against Waterloo, do you think that they're starting to debate where they go or do you ride out Duek for the remainder of this year? I, it's tough because you have so much respect for what Duek's done for you. But if the season is lost, which today felt like a bit of a firing point. You were kind of teetering on the edge and we hope we get in the playoffs. And mm -hmm. now it feels like you're headed towards let's regroup. If you are regrouping, I think you start to contemplate giving reps to, to the next guy there. And, and that's not fair to Andreas, but that's the reality If you know, if he's not going to be around, then you have to start thinking about the future of your program. And, and I, again, am someone who understands very well firsthand that when you get reps, you get better mm -hmm. and, and to give a young quarterback reps, he's going to make mistakes, but they will pay off for you down the road. I remember watching Kyle Quinlan play in a playoff game. I think the OUA quarterfinals at Queens in 2009, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And, uh, and I remember him, it was a wind game. Mac was up against it the whole game and he struggled and couldn't throw into it. And they were relying on his legs. And they had a wildcat package with a receiver that was playing QB. And it was like, you can't, you, you Take that from 2009 in the playoffs. Two years later, Quinlan's hurtling a Laval defensive back in the Banyan. It's like those reps matter, right? Toward, yeah. Like even as a young guy, you get those, you're going to be better off for it. So uh, we'll see where they end up going. Before we move on from this game, though, just a couple quick shout outs. Uh, Pat Burke had the big interception touchdown. Ryan Long, 45 yard scoop and score. And then Ife Onyamanam. Six tackles, three pass breakups, and a forced fumble for the Golden Hawks defense. Uh, they bring a lot of athleticism to the table, and they fly around the ball. And when you're having a good day, when it rains, it pours for that Golden Hawk defense. 
and it did rain uh, across much of the province. Uh, so fitting that we could yes. it in. But, uh, Western Windsor came in off the win over McMaster and thought, yeah, maybe we can give Western a little bit of a game 54 to four. Like Western did the Western stuff again. Keon Edwards, 171 on the ground, as was expected. I actually thought that both running backs for Western would end up with three touchdowns in this game. Uh, Trey, Trey Humes didn't even play uh, today, so he was out. But Keon just kind of carried the load. Uh, for Western, though, I mean, with Windsor coming in, I said to Connor, can they do it on the road? Because we've seen them at home twice, squeak out wins. We've seen them on the road once, they got blown out. This is the second home game, same result as week one. Uh the ground game with David Adenaran, which they've relied on the last two home games, kind of fell short. Western, Austin Ford and Miller in that Mustangs defense just kind of stuffed him eight carries, 11 yards, and a fumble. Uh, so they had to get away from that and try and find some way to get some form of offense. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, total offense for Western in this one, 632 uh, was the total on that end. So uh, it's. Western at this point, we know they are still the power in the OUA. It's it feels like we're on a collision course to Western Queens and the Yates, isn't it? Like it's- uh, yes, and it's going to, at this rate because Western has a loss. It is going to be held at Richardson, so yeah. <laughs> we are going to get a full uh, Vanier Cup rematch or Vanier Cup year rematch for Queens, where they're going to have to face off against uh, the Western Mustangs and still Greg Marshall at Richardson yes. Stadium. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? It's going to be like, what, 10, essentially 12 years in between uh, from that 09 run that they went through. And I mean, they Queens is, is interesting. We'll get to them in just a second here. But uh, I just want to open the floor up to you on Toronto over York, uh, your beloved Varsity Blues. I have nothing to say on this game. This game has very little consequence in the <laughs> OUA East. But you want to wax poetic about how beautiful the Varsity Blues played against York. Go ahead. Do your thing. Uh, I would I would very much like to point out some of the defensive plays made, uh, specifically Bob Mullen wearing the backwards visor on game days always <laughs> always adds to their defensive plays. But uh, Cody Hale with the big pick six kind of opened it up for the Blues. Uh, four sacks, five fumble recoveries, a blocked punt, 11 TFLs. Uh, they were in the backfield early and often. Uh, and the offense, I mean, you look at 116 total yards for Clay, I think, through the air. Uh, they had a lot of short fields because of all the fumble recoveries, all the sacks. I mean, one of the TFLs, uh, the punter kind of like tried to get away but wasn't able to. Um, they they ended up having like just in the red zone was the start of their drive. Um, but for Toronto, I mean, it does have some consequences because Carlton lost again. Uh, the Varsity Blues are – a couple wins and maybe one more Carlton loss away from hosting a playoff game. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that is crazy. And this game also could have been like 40 to two. Yeah. The, the offense for Toronto, like they, we know, I tell us, talk about this Connor all the time. You would know being a former quarterback, but the deep ball being one of the lowest incompletions, it it's very tough to kind of get in rhythm with that. And we talk yeah. about this, like, home run offense that the Alouettes seem to run when Vernon Adams plays, where it's either it's a 50-yard ball or it's a two and out. Yeah. Uh, and that's what Toronto was really trying for today. They had haymaker after haymaker that Will Corby down the middle just got deflected. Will Corby out on the sidelines just overthrown. Lovegrove into the corner of the end zone two times just out of bounds. Like so many big play shots that just kind of missed by a hair or missed by a couple yards that if it had hit, it would be looking at a Western score. 
Yeah, there's a there's an inverse relationship between depth of target and completion rate, right? So yeah. when you're taking those deeper shots, naturally you're going to have a lower completion percentage. The thing is, it's I always look at it like sprawl ball in the NBA, where people realized, oh, the three pointers worth more than two. Mm-hmm. Even if we shoot a lower percentage from three, well, over time it'll be worth more. If you can hit at a certain clip, like I would say like 40% on those shots that are over 30 yards down the field, over time, you can have two and outs because those big shots will end up changing field position enough that it actually helps you win. With that being said, I don't have Clay Sequeira's throws charted, obviously, <laughs> as of yet I'd haven't at the time, but uh, I would be interested to see how he actually compares to what Vernon Adams Jr. and the Alouettes have done in, in terms of leaning into yeah we're gonna have incompletions Mm -hmm. you're gonna have to live with that it's gonna feel like the offense is sputtering but once in a while we're gonna cash in and when we do it's gonna be a big cash in so that's uh it's interesting to see how they've approached that but that's enough varsity blues talk uh for now because they're in the oua east so is queens Uh, and queens oh my (laughs) what the hell (laughs) 45 to nothing 45 nothing over Carlton, as I saw the article that came out from Tim Baines, the Ottawa Sun, saying uh, a lesson learned for the Ravens, it seems like, today against the Gales. And the lesson was don't test this Queen's defense. Uh, they are ranked number one in the nation for points against, yeah. despite having played fewer games than the Quebec Conference, despite playing more games, far more games than the Can West. It's still Queens at the top. Uh, this shutout was a big one. They had five interceptions on the day, two sacks, a forced fumble. I mean, zero points allowed, 2.2 yards per play. Anthony Federico and Nolan Bedard and the gang in gold were flying around today. Is Carlton's season much to what we're talking about with Dweck? Are, are they essentially pooched at this point? because Tanner DeYoung is out? Like, it feels like that stole their soul after he went down with that ankle injury. I, they've had a tough year. I mean, they lost Nick Renault in the preseason. Uh, they lost Tanner in week two. I mean, with with having that fifth-year quarterback who you're relying your offense runs through, like, how many times did we talk about that first throw of the year where he just wow. kind of half half opened and launched at 50 yards. Like Crazy. that's not something that you can see very often from a quarterback. And when you lose that and then you go to the Panda game and it's a high emotion and you're not even able to get your second string quarterback because he's hurt and you're playing with Dan Coffinet, who is your third string. Um, it's just kind of tough to get any momentum going. And you thought that maybe they would after the win over Toronto, but they come into Queens and, Nathan Carter isn't able to get going on the ground and it just uh, stacks up pretty quickly once the turnovers start following him. Yeah, that's tough. That's really tough for them. And it, as I was watching the Rouge Zone today, once I was done, you know, I'm covering the CFL stuff and uh, they're talking about how good Queens is and how they've produced a lot of turnovers. And just as they're talking about that, there was another interception. And I mm-hmm. was like, man, like, I, as you say, five interceptions created. Like, we cannot emphasize that enough because. Western, when they play against Queens, is not going to take to the air a lot. But the formula for beating Western typically is you get pretty decent run defense. You get some timely run defense where you get a stop on second and three, second and four. But you create turnovers. If you can if you can shortchange them, take the ball away, and hurt their time of possession numbers, that might be the formula that Queens is able to use. Now, Western is a completely different monster from what Carlton is, obviously. Mm-hmm. But 
if they can access some of these things that they're developing. And also James Keenan, like I've been really impressed by his throw making ability the last couple of weeks, 16 to 26 today, 251. That's a nice stat line, relatively clean, two touchdowns, one interception. He's going to make the odd bad throw that's going to get intercepted. But again, he's similar to, to Clay Sequeira, I would say, in the sense that when he makes a good throw, it's a real good throw. Like it's a game changing throw. Uh, and Queens, obviously the running game, like Rashid Tucker is just going to go rampant all over people. I mean, Rashid actually has been held under 100 yards twice this year, both of them against the Carlton Ravens. Uh, he finished with 74 yards, but I think uh, Derbyshire, their backup, was able to kind of piece together to get the team over 100. But uh, talking about James Keenan, the one throw that he kind of made today was the the touchdown to Sakia Cuemo on the goal line. And they ran, uh, it was a three-receiver set into the boundary, and Sakia, or Cuemo came from the... Uh, came from the three kind of ran like a true wheel route full like one yard arrow route flat and up the sidelines and uh Keenan just spotted it over the defender and Quamo so uh it was kind of like a rope and Quamo just kind of like picked it off the back of the helmet <laughs> Damn. see but that's what I mean is like that's a ballsy throw yeah yeah because like, if the defender turns around and plays the ball in the air and you throw that as a rope it's like that can be intercepted really easily and you can look really bad for doing that. But when you throw it with confidence, the way Keenan does, like, it, I don't know, man, it's, it's going to be tough because if he plays in the Yates against Western Western will force you to a take the check downs, take the flats and B, if you decide to be ballsy with some of your throws, they will create turnovers off of you. And that's where you go from like, Oh, all the things I was doing all year, 45, nothing over Carlton. Suddenly they're not working. And now I'm giving up short fields and Oh, Western's up 14, nothing. And how do we get back in this game? They're going to force you to take check downs and play underneath and all of that stuff because they're not a crazy pressure team. So uh, I'm, I'm very curious to whether or not Keenan will essentially continue to try to make those throws as we get closer and closer towards playoff time because it could be feast or famine and that's for a queens fan that's really exciting mm -hmm. and also terrifying and i mean we saw it last week he had like the the rollout to the left also he like pulled up and threw like a fadeaway jumper to the sideline yeah. um but like even this week throwing three into the boundary and you're gonna throw a rope at the back of the defender like there's extra defenders over there so even if that ball gets like popped up and tipped there's extra bodies that could be picking it off and i mean for queens like this game just kind of confirms that they can put it into cruise control for the rest of their schedule and like take over the East. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're going to put it in cruise control because it, I mean, would you rather host a Yates cup or would you rather have to travel to well, London for a Yates cup? Uh, yeah. You obviously want to host it. That's a big difference. But I also think that what's the point of taking your foot off the gas when it's already a condensed season, like you, mm -hmm. you've been training. This is the thing about this year is, You've been training and waiting for this opportunity to get back on the field for a year and a half. Why would you say eh, six games is too many? No, like just go, go, yeah. do, what you, do what you're doing. Keep going, like put your head down. You can rest in late November, early December for another eight months. That's the beauty of football is that you get to train it forever and prepare, prepare, prepare and see whether or not it pays off. And it's paying off big for Queens right now. So yeah, keep your foot down. And even like with their young secondary, like guys like Ethan Martin and Keegan Vanek who are starting at a very young point in their career, they're playing integral parts. Like Ethan Martin's one of the team leaders in tackles, get these guys, all the reps, get them. Like you said, you get better taking those reps. Uh, I expect coach Schneider, coach Beckmanis and the golden Gale staff to, uh, to keep the throttle all the way down for the rest of the year.
The uh, the last game here from the week in the OUA across the board. I didn't see a second of this because I was doing CFL stuff and watching the Montreal Alouettes just play around with the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, but Guelph 27-10 over Waterloo. And the only thing I know about this game is that my beloved Trey, uh, Trey Ford seems like he was dinged in this one. What happened? What's the exclusive Wade Zink had a report? Uh, I actually had looked up. I had to go and <laughs> I, had, I had gone to change something in my laptop or I'd gone to get my charger or something. I came back down. I see him like limping towards the, the training bench. And I'm like, oh no, that is never a good sign for the Waterloo Warriors. Um, especially when it just kind of seemed like it wasn't their night. I mean, each team hit the uprights on the field goal going each way in the, in the, in the stadium. So one hit it with the wind, one hit it against the wind. Um, and then I think Trey, before he got hurt, it also ringed one off the post like throwing into the end zone they got magnets out there yeah like i (laughs) the most bizarre circumstances um but even with trey ford getting hurt like he finished with 171 rushing yards on the night but i don't the passing game just seemed out of sync i I guess it might have just been one of those nights um gordon lamb started to make an impact i mean he had like a crazy juggling catch on third down and really good against mcmaster like i I was really yeah gordon lamb against mac and I, like, I was surprised with the lack of usage almost in the first week for him because Gordon Lamb to me, like he was one of their best receivers, even when they had Tyler Turnowski in 2019, like Tyler always had the big chunk plays over the middle, but Gordon Lamb, like when you get him one-on-one that he's always had, and like, even since he was in high school, has always had such a great release, such great route running. And then he just, you tap cap it off with like the hands where he's on the sideline and Trey Ford throws him back into the field and he just kind of like dabs it falls down and out of bounds like okay well how do you defend that stuff yeah yeah that's that's really really tough uh, is there another highlight that jumps out for you from this game again 27 10 guelph over waterloo but is there one that uh that, that jumps out that you want people to know about there's two player two plays i guess uh one would be clark barnes he caught like a five-yard hook at some point in the game uh second quarter and all of a sudden it was like he was gone for 70 yards and someone had to haul him down on like the other side of the field in the red zone. But like he was an inch or two away from being down, like by himself, hitting his knee off the ground, stands up between two guys and just takes off. Uh, but it really sparked their offense for them because until then they were just kind of chunking their way down the field. Like maybe they take a couple first downs, get in the field goal range. Uh, Cause they, at that point they'd kicked the field goal from an interception and then they just kind of worked their way slowly. Uh, Clark Barnes set them up. Smith scored two plays later on a great ball into the end zone. Uh, he kind of just jumped up and mossed the guy in the corner. And then Clark Barnes uh, in the third quarter kind of said, all right, game's over now. Uh, let, let me get back to what I do. And when Clark Barnes is on the kick return unit, just do yourself a favor and kick it somewhere else. Yeah. 108 yards to the house. So good. So athletic. I I honestly can't believe Trey Ford finished after getting injured with 171 on the ground as well. I know you already mentioned that, but that's ridiculous for a quarterback to be at at that level when it comes to the athleticism and everything else. So uh, that is the full rundown for you on all things OUA. You got a final thought for us here in the OUA show, Wade? Uh, I said it on Thursday. I will say it today. Uh, hold your boat on Windsor was my one thought Uh, this week it's going to be hold your boat on Toronto because I they play against Guelph next week Uh, both teams are going to be coming in 
it's going to determine playoff seating. Uh, will Toronto's offense get on the road, uh, on the road and play well against a Guelph defense that 10 points against Waterloo, Queens to 14 points, Western got taken down. They're playing well, so it'll be a true test. Go. Looking forward to it. A uh, quick shout out here to Fox 40. Uh, they are a huge supporter of all things a Canadian football perspective, and we want to make sure that everybody here on the OUA show knows that uh, Canadian football perspective is supported by everyone at Fox 40 and the, the work that they do to try and make sure that we get this off the ground and we can bring you great uh, Canadian football coverage is very much appreciated by them. So you can go to fox40shop.com if you ever need anything, whistles, uh, coaching boards, any equipment, go to their website again, fox40shop.com and use the promo code CFP, and that will get you 15% off. And of course, if you miss any of the games, they're available free, 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 which is a magical world when you uh, word when you come from a Scottish household, free. Uh, that OUA.TV is where you can go free. All football games stream live and on demand. And if you need any stats, like I did today as I was watching those games and I was doing the Rouge Zone, go to OUA.TV, stats, standings, scores, and much, much more. Coming up on Monday here on CFP, we've got for you Another edition of Martian and Mellow as we recap the three-game CFL week. That was week number 11, which wrapped up about half an hour before we take this thing. And, uh, of course, coming up for you on Tuesday, there will be the announcement, drum roll, of Players of the Week. Of course, the Canadian Football Perspective, OUA Players of the Week. Don't give it away. I'm not. I'm not. I cannot give it away. It will <laughs> not be Rashid Tucker, unfortunately. Two times in a row, he could not pull off the trifecta, but I don't think he really cares all that much because they won 45 nothing. There you go. They're dominant. They're in control. That's Wade Zanketa. I'm Marshall Ferguson. Thanks for checking out the OUA show. We'll talk to you next week right here on Canadian Football Perspective.